the Idlewild Choir even recorded is a gift for us. The music ministry of this place, a gift for us as we worship God together. Grateful for Barry's leadership and countless others who commit their, their time and their talents to that ministry. This day, our gospel lesson comes from the gospel of Luke. We're in the 24th chapter together. This is a familiar and honestly, a pretty long story of Jesus's interaction. After he has been raised from the dead, he is walking along a road. He happens upon two other travelers on that road. This is a story that we know as the, the walk to Emmaus or the road to Emmaus. Before we read from Luke 24, I invite you to join me in prayer. Spirit, fall fresh upon each of us this day and upon your church. Fall fresh and quiet any voice within us but your own that we might hear your word for us this day and that in hearing we might be called to lead lives of response. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Luke chapter 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that He was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. When they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself In all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. So they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while 
he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered there. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it was Friday, January 21st of this year. The movers arrived at about 9 o'clock in the morning. They had spent the previous couple days packing up my house in Madison. Everything was boxed up up neatly there in that place. And uh, my plan was to meet them at 9 o'clock, and by 11 o'clock I would be on the road here to Memphis. I had an Airbnb, you're already laughing, yeah, Uh, it's not going to be that quick. So I had an Airbnb that started about four o'clock in the afternoon. I figured if I left at just before lunch, I'd get here in perfect time. Well, well, 11 o'clock turned to two o'clock and two o'clock turned to five o'clock. And if you've ever spent time packing up a house and moving everything, particularly not just across town, but, but maybe across states, then you know that it always takes longer than you imagine. And I have to be honest with you, uh, the place that I was moving from, it meant a great deal to me. Literally the home where I had spent hours and hours. I had poured my blood, sweat, and tears into that place. I'd ripped up floors and torn down walls. and, And I knew the person who was moving into it. She would be bringing with her two teenage children that were having to start a fresh life together. So I wanted to make sure that she entered that place and and felt comfortable and that God was present in that place. So I prayed over every room in that house. And then I wrote her and her children a note and I placed it in an envelope and I left it right there on the kitchen counter. It was about 6.30 in the evening when I, I knocked on two of my dearest friends' door. It was finally time that I was going to get out of town. And if I was honest with you, I was frazzled. It had been a longer day than I expected. I was way behind schedule, and I don't like being way behind schedule. But I figured I gain an hour coming this way, so I'll get in just before midnight, and it'll all be fine. I knocked on the door, and my best buddy opened it. He said, what are you still doing here? I said, I know. I was, I was supposed to leave a, a long time ago. He said, yeah. And then his wife made her way to the door, and she said, you're still here. And I said, yeah. I just wanted to come and tell y'all I love you, and then I'm going to get on the road and head, head to Tennessee. And she looked at me, and she said, what are you doing? Stay here tonight. We're, we're having some friends over for dinner. In fact, one of the couples that's coming to our house is a couple you told us we were supposed to invite because they're new to the church and we need to make them feel welcome and we need to break bread with them and, and share a good meal with them. You should stay here tonight. And as if the rush of the spirit fell upon my shoulders, everything in my body became less tense in that moment. Plans changed in a moment. And I said, I can stay here tonight. They said, yeah, please, we got an extra bedroom. So Jesus meets up with these two disciples on the road. Uh, They're walking, and you imagine them in in their hurriedness and disappointment. Where are they going back to? This road to Emmaus, this seven mile walk that they're on? 
You know, their life has looked completely different for the last couple years. They've left behind everything that they knew to follow in the ways of this one that they had trusted in. But his life is no more. Or at least they think it isn't. But then they are astounded when they hear word from women who had gathered at the tomb early that morning. They really don't know actually what to think when they are on this road. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been on that road? You're walking, you're actually not sure where you're going to. There's, there's something out there for you, but you're not even sure what the next season is going to look like because everything's been disoriented for you. They're walking along and Jesus meets them, but they cannot see that it is Jesus. That is often the way that God shows up in our lives, beloved. Walking alongside us, God looks like a neighbor. God looks like one driving beside us down Union. God looks like one passing us on the green way. This Jesus walks beside them for a while, and I can just imagine Jesus had a good bit of fun with them. What things that have happened in Jerusalem? What are you talking about? How would you describe what had happened? How would we, God's people, describe what they, those two disciples had experienced? And then the day is drawing to an end, and the disciples get to the place where they are going to rest for the night, and Jesus hurriedly goes on ahead, not stopping. And they say, the hour is late. Stay with us. Stay here. We're going to cook something up. We don't know exactly what yet, but uh, there'll be some other people here. You'll fit right in. Stay with us. And so Jesus says he will, and they sit at table together. And then at some point during that meal, Jesus takes bread, and he gives thanks thanks to God for it, and then he breaks it. And it is in that moment, in the breaking of the bread, that they recognize that this one that they thought was a stranger is actually God amongst them. That this one who had walked alongside and listened to their hurt and their disappointment and their pain, but it also revealed to them things about their story that they had forgotten, had revealed to them the story of Scripture, In that moment, they recognize that it is Christ in their midst. You know, something happens for us around table. There is something transformational in the the simple act of sharing a meal together. And I think Jesus knew that and knows that. Sharing a meal together draws love out between people. And indeed, the truth of our faith is that there's a dimension of God, there's a dimension of the divine that cannot be recognized until we sit at table with one another. It's not about what we eat, as Sarah Miles says, but who we eat with that allows us to be changed, to be transformed. So I sat at table with Two of my best friends, some other couples arrived. They were dear friends of mine too. I don't remember what we ate. 
but we drank wine and we laughed and we told stories. And it was at some point during that meal that I sat back from the table, I put down my fork, and this rush, as if the spirit came over me to say, uh, this is a foretaste of the kingdom banquet. Be present here. This is what it looks like to dwell, to dwell with the beloved. This is what it is like to experience divine community. And I realized that in that moment, I had not only been the welcomed guest, but also the one whose eyes were open to the very presence of God in my midst. God present in community around table. Mary Oliver's poem, The Vast Ocean Begins Just Outside of Our Church, goes like this. Something has happened to the bread and to the wine. They have been blessed, but what now? The body leans forward to receive the gift from the priest's hands, then the chalice. They are something else now from what they were before this all began. I want to see Jesus, maybe in the clouds or on the shore, just walking, beautiful man, and clearly someone else besides him. On the hard days, I ask myself if I ever will. Also, there are times my body whispers to me that I have. I was packing up my house. I was in a hurry to get gone, making a journey that was going to change my life forever, making a journey what I thought was alone. Six and a half hours from Madison to Memphis. And then that journey was interrupted by a beloved who welcomed me to table. And I realized that if we are to articulate what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ without speaking words, then maybe it's setting a table. Maybe it's laying out bread and cup, cooking a meal and inviting people over. Maybe it's putting down our fork and leaning back from the table and recognizing that there is a dimension of God that we cannot know until we know, know God around the table. At the table, we are bound to Jesus Christ and to each other. We are bound to the inextricable love of God by the simple elements of bread and cup. We are bound to the story of God taking on flesh to live among us, to trod this earth as we do, to rejoice and to grieve, to laugh and to dance, to serve and to pray as we do. And at the table that we will celebrate this day, we are bound to stranger and to friend, to adversary and to ally to ourselves on our best days, and to ourselves on our worst. At this table, the revelation of God faces us in flesh and in blood. It is the revelation that sustains us in the fertile fields and the parched deserts. It is this revelation that makes us the church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.